three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 85. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are excited to talk about models today. This is going to be a good one, I think. They're all good, but I'm, I'm especially excited about this one today. So I used to build models when I was a kid. That's not the kind of Cars models we're talking about. Spaceships. We're, not, we're also not talking about like supermodels. Those yeah. are like great big models. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about math models and gotcha. particularly the ones used in elementary and the beginning of middle school to, you know, make kids see the math that we're learning, right? See the math. Correct. Yeah. So and I think this is a good episode because yesterday at this time we had no idea what we were going to do. Yes. And boom, today, here we go. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> today why we know. That's why we run <laughs> so we can talk about math. It has nothing to do with the um, physical benefits or anything. It's just so we can make sure we know what we're doing every day when we go to school. <laughs> okay. So let's start with the the impetus for this conversation, um, I was meeting with a delightful second grade teacher who is just really growing and wanting to keep growing. And I'm just loving all the minutes with that I get to meet with her on Zoom. And she's teaching all virtually and she's um, trying to kind of remediate regrouping with addition and subtraction. In, in second grade in Virginia, you have to do two digit addition and subtraction um, with regrouping. And, you know, that's tough doing that completely remotely. And and most yeah. of it asynchronously. Sorry, Jay, I know you hate that word. But they, it's hard to use it as a description of a, of a method. Yeah. Most of what they do, they do through Seesaw. Um, and, you know, it's not on Zooms all the time. She gets some, but not a lot. So, we talked about how important it was for the remediation step to go back to the models. And, you know, if they aren't getting the, the algorithm, they there's you need to return to the models and then work your way back to the algorithm. And so she was getting ready to make her video of of the models part. And I and I asked her to I, I suggested that she go to the drawing step, not all the way back to the base 10 blocks, like go ahead and, and do that middle representational step in, in this concrete representational abstract continuum or whatever. Um, and so she she sent me her first version and she was like, hey, watch this and see if, see if you have any thoughts. And she did a really, really good job, but I suggested to make a tweak just a tiny little tweak so that the way she was modeling it matched the algorithm she was trying to get at. And I'll, I will just stop and say that like in an ideal situation of using invent where the kids are inventing the strategies, you want to go with whatever, how they're doing it, you know, and try to almost make your abstract representation, what you record on the board with numbers match their model. But she's in, she's, almost at the end of this unit trying to work out the kinks of the algorithm that they have and so you know my suggestion was to make the model 
close, more closely match the algorithm. Is that making sense so far? Mm-hmm. So, so for example, let me get really specific. Um, I, don't, I don't have any paper around here. Hold on one second. Okay. Let's pretend that she's going to try to model 24 plus 18. Um, okay. We, so she drew it, that she's drew 24 with two rods, just like two lines, and then four units, but she was just drawing dots. And then 18, one rod, and eight um, dots for the units. And so she started by thinking about kind of how to make a 10 and was talking about how I have four here. I'm, I'm using maybe different numbers than she did, but I have four here. And then if I put that together with six more, I would have a 10. And she showed it like being record. She circled 10 of them and recorded it over in the tens in the 10 spot and then showed that she had two left over in the ones and four total tens. So nothing she did was mathematically incorrect. But my suggestion to her was to first count all of the ones together. Because when you do the step of, when you do the traditional addition algorithm, you count, you you get the sum of everything in the ones place first. Use four plus eight is 12. And so I wanted them to see what was happening to that 12 in the next step. So I had her like almost little, you know, brain bubble, like cloud over to the side, put that 12 and hold that in your mind and then show the part of taking 10 of them, kind of crossing them out, which is the regrouping part and and moving that over to show a 10 in the, one extra 10 in the tens place. And then you're seeing where that two is, the two extra units, and then where what happened to that 10 that was a 10 units and moved over into the tens place. Jay's giving me the well, thinking I'm, face. I'm thinking, you know, she's trying to do this with second graders. Yeah. And is she is she writing it down for them? Are they seeing this or? She's recording. She's doing like a screen recording of okay. her talking through this. All right. Because I'm trying to vision this. Right. And I've been to college a couple times and I'm having a hard <laughs> time keeping up with what you got in a bubble and where you're putting the 12 and holding on to this to drag go back over here. But you're you're also not looking at anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I was I was just making sure that there's some. I know we talked about models, but is you know what all is she is she? I don't know. It would be I would have to you know see it again to get a to really be able to follow it. Yeah. Maybe that's the deal. <laughs> Any thoughts, Ruth? Before we move on. So, for me as a sixth grade teacher, I'm really surprised at how many students. Um, I don't know what. Maybe they believe that part of the subtraction algorithm is that you have to carry the one before you put the two. It's it's very interesting to watch the students who that's their go-to, like every single time. Yeah. And I don't know, like it doesn't matter, but they don't get that. And if I'm doing the on their paper showing them and I don't put that number up there first, it feels like they're, wait a minute, like I've done this brand new new thing, which means they really don't understand what they're doing. They're just following this set of steps. And most of the time in math, you have to follow the steps in order, right? Mm -hmm. So if they've practiced and then you put up the one and then you write the two, the only reason I could think that is because... If you wrote the number 12, you would write the one first, and then you would write the two. Yeah. 
So somewhere along the line, they've gotten this information and they've, that's their truth. Like you have to put the one at the top before. Yeah. It just, when you were like going through all the steps, I was remembering just the other day, like helping someone add. And obviously we don't do a whole lot of double digit addition in sixth grade, but it was a step in a problem. And I did that step. And she was like, wait, I don't understand why you did that. Wow. You put the two first. Hmm. So I've just kind of paid attention. And there are lots of students who do that one first, which it's, you know, they probably have the same teacher. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I don't think I yeah, would have just, even picked up on it, you know. I don't think I would have until she said, why did you do that? Yeah. As if I had, you know, done something she hadn't seen before. Yeah. So Cool. Um. That's a great point. So we kind of had the same sort of conversation with subtraction. We tried it, and um, the I I suggested she made it make a tiny little tweak with subtraction too. Um, if it was let's do twenty four minus eighteen. Let's pretend that was the problem this time. And she we she did a great job of just first modeling 24 not showing 18 because we i wanted her to show that that the sub, subtrahend that's the number you take away right i wanted her to show that by the crossing out not by building 24 and building 18 um so that she was truly taking 18 out of 24 right and and Ruth and i had this conversation yesterday that that mm-hmm. you can show subtraction by building both numbers and comparing, mm-hmm. look at the part that's different. But she's she's mostly talking about it with a takeaway context. So she knew to build 24. And then um, I had her do the regrouping step where she, instead of going, okay, I need to take away eight. So let me start crossing off. One, two, three, four. Oh, no, I don't have eight. I need to regroup. Instead of starting like that, I had her say, I need to take away eight. Look, I know I don't have eight. Let's let's go ahead and regroup first before you start taking away any. So then I had her, you know, cross off 110 and move it over. And I love how she automatically on her own, when she, re- when she puts them draws the ones she draws them in a 10 frame arrangement like in a two fives on top of each other because they've been using that which i think is brilliant instead of just like random 10 dots so that lets them immediately visually recognize that as 10 singles so i had her units exactly yep i had her draw the the new 10 that she regrouped over into the ones as in a 10 frame arrangement below the Four that were already there. So you're seeing four at the top and then this new full 10 frame at the bottom. And because I wanted to point out, look, I have 14 ones now because that's the step that feels so weird in the regrouping part. Where does that 14 come from? So I wanted them to see all 14 before they started crossing off any of the eight. She was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, Any thoughts? I think I like the the idea of keeping them arranged a certain way so they're recognizable yeah. in that and so it's not just all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of little dots on this side they know where this group of dots came from and they're keeping track of the process um it it didn't when she in my head right away I'm thinking how to do that to make it it's not like Tracy how to make it more efficient yeah and as 
So is she using single pieces? Is she drawing a quick tin frame? Does she have like a little cutout of a tin frame that she slides she's over there? She's just drawing it, but just draw going with her. She's using like the the cursor, you know, on mm-hmm. on the seesaw and going one, two, three, four, five, and then go down to the row I below it. Yeah, and yeah. just just literally dots, like not oh. even taken. Yeah. Um, and I and I think that the idea being, if you arrange that new ten in the ten frame, hopefully they don't they wouldn't have to recount how many that is. They could say, oh, I know that's ten, that's 10 and, and four. four more. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it just it just. Our conversation, I was really glad we had it, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought to, like, tell her to do those things until I saw what she had started with that was excellent and, like, just think about how to tweak it. Um, I – it just made me wonder how many other models I could be more exact with, you know, or be more efficient with um, as I'm modeling things for kids to, to support either their meaning-making or their building of the algorithm. So had you instructed her to, or had given her the idea of bringing over those ones and showing them in a ten frame? She did the ten frame part on her own. Because I was, I was wondering. Um, I have learned so many things by watching somebody do it, and they didn't even think about how that, why they did it. But watching somebody do something like that, and all of a sudden, it like hitting me, like, whoa, that is excellent, and hadn't even thought about that. And they hadn't even thought about why they were doing it. And I'll bring it up. And they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, that's a great, you know, that, that kind of thing. Just, you know, I, I don't know that's going to make a world of difference to those kids necessarily. But it's just a very great comment. Somebody does it out of common sense or not really thinking. Yeah. And it's like, boom, that's that's a big deal. You should, we, need, we need to work on making sure other people do that. Yep. So, well which done. is another ploy for a collaboration. Yeah. I mean, that teacher was doing a really good job. And she still asks for help. Yeah. And sometimes teachers feel like if I ask for help, that means I don't know. And that's just a sad place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Because no matter how long you've done it or how good you are, just having someone to hash it out with, they're going to say something or you're going to see something. I don't know. I just – there's another – you can't do this whole education thing by yourself. Exactly. So. All right, so you had a decimal multiplication model conversation oh, this so week. my niece is at home on quarantine, and she is in fifth grade learning decimal multiplication. Whoop, whoop. And so, of course, during lunch, <laughs> I'm texting her math problems, like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, just taking a break. I'm like, okay, okay well. good. Good break. Here's some math. Yeah. <laughs> so I quickly got on Google and said decimal multiplication model. And I was taken aback by how many models were all area. So you shade two-tenths of this one and three-tenths of this one, and you can see that six-hundredths is your answer. Or you put the base 10 blocks together, and you do, you know, 1.1 times 1.1, and you can see that that's 1.21. But there weren't any – there weren't enough of just equal groups – of tenths or equal groups of hundreds or even yeah. just equal groups of one and twelve hundreds. And there are plenty of ways to make them, right? Because you can very easily go to number pieces or math bots and click out a group and copy and paste it and make the group. And that's how I've taught it. But 
in that moment, I was like, I wonder if teachers are just skipping decimal multiplication modeling altogether. Because let's be honest, the area model is really hard to understand. Yeah. Students with the, I mean, I don't even know how you solidify understanding with two tenths going vertical and three tenths going horizontal and six hundredths is your answer without just saying, here's your first number, here's your second number, and your answer is in there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're just somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't help a student see the answer. Yeah. Um, so the one that I found that I sent her, which we had to really keep in mind we're on text, but I sent her a screenshot of a um, base 10 block, the whole, and it has three groups of two tenths shaded. So there's an orange two tenths and blue and green. And then the rest of them are white. Okay. And so I asked her what it says, and she is really confused because the leftover white is in an equal group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then I explain it to her and I say, well, look, there's an orange group and a red group and a green group. And so that's three groups of two tenths. And that equals six tenths. And she texts back to me, well, why is the white there? And I was able to answer her, but I have used that model in class and no one has ever asked me that before. Hmm. And so my answer was, so that you can see there are originally 10 pieces. Yeah. Because just having a rod wouldn't necessarily mean it was a tenth because it could be a fourth or a third. And so they had to put those 10 there. And because that makes our denominator 10, now we can write it as a decimal. And she was like, oh, like a fraction. So she was able to make that connection Cool. because the pieces were there unshaded. So those, those white ones actually weren't there. That's just showing you what used to be part of that number, mm-hmm. or what and that's that, what, how what we that teach. number is is you know has the possibility of you know if it was full it, that those would be full. So it's not like those white ones ignore them; they're not really there. Right. It was the whole connection to a fraction is how many pieces there are as your denominator and how many shaded as your numerator. So then I started thinking about. Well, once I tell my students that this rod represents one-tenth, I don't show them the rod inside the, um, I keep wanting to say 10 frame, the hundreds block every time. It was just very interesting what kind of questions a student might ask. And Bella would not ask that question in her classroom. Yeah. Because she is shy. Yeah. Um, She would listen to you say that's three groups of two tenths and say okay and not ask when in reality that question would be really beneficial for everyone so there's there's definitely a place for multiplication and division models and this last test i put the division model on um the test and a lot of students had to write the multiplication model so that they could get the division model correct. So that Hmm. relationship between fact families that you learn with whole numbers, there's a place for it. 
yeah. with decimals. There's cool. a place for it with fractions. Just don't leave those basic models out. I feel like sometimes we go from concrete right to abstract, and having the students draw that is very beneficial. Awesome. I'm helping a fifth grade teacher who's starting that, you know, the whole decimal computation um, unit. She's starting that next week, and and we just had that conversation yesterday. So what are you making that face for? I'm sitting here thinking of your, you know, these models and practical problems for multiplying and dividing fractions. And I think, oh, my gosh, like all of a sudden it's like I'm trying to hang in there, and then my brain hits to the point of like, this is too complicated, and then like, it's okay. I know how to do the algorithm. I'll just sit back and rest <laughs> in the fact that I know how to do the algorithm and not try to. Because it, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure examples of this come up in everyday life more often than I could identify. But it's one of those, it's, it's, you know, one of my s- standard uh, safety overload. It's like when I, when I get too much and I just can't, can't comprehend all the pieces anymore, I just like, the little switch flips. I'm like, it's all right. I know the I know the algorithm. I'll be fine. <laughs> Which, however, teachers don't have that, you know, ability to yeah. s- to step back and go, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if I don't get it. I I still, I mean, they we do. And that's the only reason I don't teach math in elementary school. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> the only one. Oh, okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> um. So speaking of fractions, Ruth, you Good. found a a uh, opportunity that you wanted to share related to fractions. Oh, and I did. So braining camp is something that I would love to have a subscription to, but I don't for lack of funding. So I saw that they sent me an email, and I can go to this webinar and get 45 days free and I am moving into fractions and so I would love to have that website for 45 days and then I saw that Annalise Record is doing the webinar who I have lots of respect for Mm -hmm. and this is part two which then made me say "Ooh, maybe I could get access to part one but ah part one is already out there so there is um, a link to it or you can find it on Vimeo and January 19th is part two. So you sit through her webinar. She shows you how to model fractions, which, again, is a really important step to um, teaching fraction and helping the students understand that it's not just two numbers with a line on top of them, but what is a fraction and that one half is a number, not two numbers. So I'm excited to see I know I'm going to learn something from her and then have access to that website. Awesome. So we have seen this before in some of your manipulative examples, correct? Yeah. we When yes. we were talking about the comparing, when we did the comparing fractions um, episode, we used it because I had gotten my free 30-day trial. And, Ooh, and so had I. Yeah. I. We were both using that trial. That's when I, yeah. Yeah. That was when I was first exposed to it. And then we shut down for quarantine and I didn't get to finish using my days because I didn't have kids in front of me. Um, I will also share something in the show notes. Um, A teacher at a different school asked me um, what were my favorite or what was my favorite manipulative site for virtual manipulative site for, for modeling fractions. And, you know, if, if we had braiding camp, I'm going to be honest and say that would be the one that I would recommend. I really like their 
fraction manipulative choices. We don't. So I needed to share free ones. And so I put together a Loom. It's like over 10 minutes, I think. Um, a Loom video where I just talk through three of my favorite ones and kind of point out what makes them, you know, each one of them good and what, you know, maybe some places, some things that you can't do on some of them. Um, but I think there's a, a place for all of them. And so I'm going to share that uh, in case you want to get like a quick tour overview of what's three of them that are out there. And then you can kind of pick what you need for whatever you're doing. If you're working virtually, we're going to add some Jay. Nope. I'm watching little examples of how these things work. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that takes me to another conversation yesterday that I just want to get your feedback on Ruth, cause we haven't talked about this yet and I'm, and I, I think I'm right, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so um, I'm looking for confirmation right. here. Um, we were having, I was having a conversation about fractions in second grade. And like the teacher's question was about the order in which to kind of talk about things. And I was really proud of mm-hmm. her because she knew based on past conversations that a good place to start is fair sharing and mm-hmm. like sharing brownies or sharing cookies or whatever. Uh, because that gives the need for fractions. Um, And she knew to start with examples where you weren't going to need fractions first. So she might say, we have, um, there are two of us and we're sharing six cookies. So we're going to, how many, you know, if you're going to fair share, how many is everybody going to get? She wanted to build, she wanted to just make sure they knew how to fair share whole numbers first, you know. And then we would work towards a problem like, there are um, two cookies and four kids, which would give everybody a half, right? Um, and Or two-fourths. Exactly. Ooh, look at that. So we, we talked about how we would do that first, and then we might she might move into, are these, like, looking at models and saying, are these equal parts? You know, like, where... There's you have a circle and it's broken up it really into fourths and then you have another circle and it's broken up into not equal four parts and talking about that and then moving in she was going to move into the set model no sorry 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 she's going to move into the region model or area model um, which would be like your typical draw a rectangle and shade in a part or draw a circle and shade in a part um, and then we were like then you're going to tackle the set model and the um, measurement model or number line model so um and then she ran away she kind of no no (laughs) not at all she was doing great she she asked me a question is that cookie from way back from the beginning is that a set model is that an example of a set model i would say yes when you have well Hmm. I mean, I know you're using a cookie because it's easy to cut it in half. Right. Right. But in a set model, you you don't actually end up breaking up the pieces of the set, do you? You could. I could think of an example where you could, but generally no. Okay. So so say some Hmm. more, Ruth. What were you thinking? Well, now I just have all these, like... It's almost like I okay so obviously I have not been asked this question before and so I'm processing this yeah <laughs> out loud right there's no prep but on this one 
like Skittles. I'm saying if you use Skittles, you're using a set model. Okay? That's my thoughts. But if you have two Skittles to share with four people. That's so sad. (laughs) It is really sad. (laughs) It would turn into not a set model, right? (laughs) I'll bite it and give you the rest. I don't know. Ew. But that makes it not a set model. So I don't know if what Jay said is right, that when you have a set, you don't have to cut one in half. I think that it being a set model has everything. This is what I told her. And now I'm like questioning myself, everything I know. my if if It's all about what the whole is. If the whole is the entire group, then it's a set model. But if the whole is like one of those things, then it's a region model. So in this in the case of the cookies, you're not asking what part of the set did you receive? You're asking what part of a cookie mm. did you receive? Okay. That is probably a more technically correct answer. But I think mine Yeah, look was at all the vocabulary too. she's using. I know. <laughs> model and, set and, and, and I'm I, over here cutting Skittles. I know we're here cutting Skittles and she's prepped this question for a day. I, yeah. So I want to get to the part of this question no where need. you said this cookie was broken up into uneven pieces because that's not right. What? That is the point. Like they, they, they need were a new cookie cutter. If you know, some new somebody person in <laughs> yeah. charge of that, the second grader was supposed to look at. It's part of one of the things that they have to do is to be able to look at it and say, "Is this an example of a fraction?" Because that either the parts are equal or the parts are not equal. Right. Like you need to understand that the for it to be one fourth, all your parts need to be the same area. Imagine if you were getting half of a Skittle and somebody miscut it and you didn't even get half a Skittle. Oh, lame. Sad. (laughs) Okay. I think, I mean, I think you could, to sum this up, I think you could have a group of Skittles or cookies, let's go with cookies, (laughs) that you could ask a question both ways. But I think in our case, in, in her context, it was still a region model because you were asking what or an area model because you're asking what yeah how much part of of one cookie are you getting right exactly instead of how much so if i get two and two tenths of one cookie that's not it's you know two cookies and a fifth of another cookie Mm -hmm. but it's referring to a single cookie not to a bag of cookies right or if you had just because the so what would have your you have two cookies and you're going to share with one or you're going to share with four people. Okay. So you got half a cookie. One eighth or one fourth one, of the set. You have one quarter of the, of the set, yeah. but you only had, but you got one half a cookie. There you go. Right. Yeah. So that's I a good that's right. How much of the total cookies said, did you get? That's a yeah. crazy or batch. question. How much of the batch of cookies? Yeah. If they were, if you cooked only two cookies. <laughs> they were great old big cookies. Yeah. Though. They're like cookie cakes. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Um, this is maybe where we will, our last model I- idea, but that might take us a, a bit. Um, Ruth, you're getting ready to talk about greatest common factor, right? 
I am. So we have wondered and noticed our prime climb, which shout out to Dan Finkel and all the conversations that his game brings, you know. In fact, um, the student that you had that I have now, Uh he Hmm, saw the picture yesterday (laughs) for noticing and wondering, and he's in the back of the room saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is a game. Is this a game? Oh. Like, it's a picture. Notice and wonder. <laughs> like, don't give it away to everyone else who's never seen this before. Yeah. Don't ruin my cool um, surprise. Exactly. That's so That's like a, the I worst just, curse of student going from my class to your class. I am really sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every day I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's already done this. And so I just walked back to his desk and I wrote... 2048. Like, what would this look like in this game? Whoa. Did but, he do it? Yeah. Nice. He had his little, because they had blocks. Yeah. The pop cubes that are the same colors as the prime climb circles. Okay. And we noticed and wondered. And then I said, I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. We're just going to go this way. And there were a couple kids who started to understand. And man, he had. 11 pop cubes, all yellow, clipped together because he just kept cutting that number in half. Nice. And then he's like, give me another one. Give me another one. That's awesome. So I love it. I gave him a prime number. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, he's still there right now. That's dirty. <laughs> he's still sitting in the room trying to figure that one out. You should give him 2021. Isn't that a – that's the product oh, of two yeah. ridiculous it's the product numbers. of two consecutive primes, 41 yeah. and 43. Yeah, don't right? give him no. that. One no, word. 43 in the next one. 43 and 47. Wow. Thanks to Michelle Newell, who had that on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Where you go, Michelle? Uh, Michelle. That's what I said. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> all right. So what I, what Ruth and I were talking about how – wait, I have to ask you a question, Ruth. Tell me the big picture of why you are you doing this. Are you doing it just because your standard says you have to do greatest common factor, or you is it going to prepare you for some next step? Or just because you like so, acronyms? Yeah, it's preparing us for fractions okay. because the vocabulary is important, and this is a a solid step that they need when they go to pre-algebra and they are factoring oh. monomials and binomials. So to really know what you do with the factors that they have in common and how that becomes the greatest common factor and the ones left over are the least common multiple. So it's really a building block for where they're going in pre-algebra. And in pre-algebra or when you're doing monomials, you don't list all of the factors in a rainbow and then find the biggest one. Mm -hmm. You really have to know how to use the prime factorization of it to find the greatest common factor. So that's where we are. Prime climb helps us find the great, the prime factorization, and then you take the prime factorization of both of those numbers, and you can see through a model, other than diagram, your greatest common factor. So, You really sound like you know what you're talking about right then. That was a really good answer. I'm impressed. Oh. You do know what you're talking about. So that was, that was awesome. Thank you. Not only do you know, you did a great job explaining it to me. Uh, I, I didn't mean that to be condescending, but it totally came out <laughs> condescending. I was just like really impressed with your answer, Ruth. <laughs> okay. 
So, Ruth. Well, I didn't know set and region model, so I had okay. to redeem myself. You, you totally did. You totally did. Okay. Um, oh, that was funny. Uh, this week on our run, you told me that your favorite tool has gone away with Flash. It died a sad death on the beginning it of 2021. It did die a sad death. <laughs> um, so we needed something else. Your your like go to thing. So I, you know, was kind of like, well, what have I seen? And I I texted you four things, and um, you you've looked at maybe one of them so far, right? I have looked at one of them. Yes. So we're gonna practice what that you know we're just gonna kind of talk through what tools there are. I, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just ones I knew I had seen before. So we're gonna talk through them. Um, let's do go to mathagon.org and the fir- and all these will be in our show notes. Um, and we'll try to do a really good job of describing what we're seeing because we know this is you know a podcast and you can't see what we're looking at, but <laughs> imagine. Um, <laughs> And in case y'all didn't know, yeah, shut up. Uh, and just talk through what we're seeing, and and you talk about like would this work for what you're trying to do? So it's mathagon.org, and then we're on the polypad, and then with under, which is like they're all their manipulatives in one place that you can kind of mix together. That's a cool wow. thing. Um, so we're under the numbers section. Why'd you say whoa already? The colors are so neat. Yeah. I was, I was under the geometry section still. Oh, okay. Which is a cooler set of colors, but still. Okay. Well, under numbers, then you get the last one is prime factor circles. All right. So, Ruth, you've mm-hmm. already kind of played with this one a little bit. Take it away. So, the prime factor circles are exactly from prime climb, same color. Oh, man. And the whole idea behind the prime climb game is that the prime factorization is modeled in colors. So, 18 is broken into three sections that create a circle because three times three times two is the prime factorization of 18. And what is so great about this is that you can click on 18 and drag a piece out and you've you've divided. So your three is out there and now there's a six left there. Um, the other thing that I really liked is that if I said who can create because you're only looking at numbers two through 25 at this point one is not even listed because one does neither prime nor composite wait i see, I one. see one. Oh, it's i don't gray. see one on my mac on i mean mine's completely blank there's a spot for it but you can't see the number and there's nothing there weird whoa maybe it's okay <clears throat> it's totally there on ours <laughs> so i got <laughs> well, i'll let you finish and then i'll ask my question okay so I might say, this is kind of how I was thinking about using it today or tomorrow, is who can make the number 42 in one move? So if I drag the 3 on top of the 14, I have now created the prime factorization of 42. Wow. I love Jay's sound effects. You're doing a great job, Ruth. <laughs> Keep going. I didn't oh. know you could drag them on top. This is so cool. <laughs> exactly. So I kind you of was like, You can drag pieces oh. out of them. She said that, yes. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of bummed, like, oh, it only goes to 25. But you can totally make every single number you need to make. Like, Wait. if you drag, you can even drag, like, go to 25 and just take out one blue piece. There's two blue pieces, and you drag that on top of the four, and you've made 20. So you literally can make every number from the prime climb 
with the exception of the other primes, based on this because of the prime factorization of it. Okay. So. <laughs> I wish everyone could see Jay Prophet. <laughs> what did you just, he just put his hands up like he was cheerleading. Like he was. Not cheerleading. Or, I was excited. I didn't have pom-poms. Or having a, having a, the spirit overtook having him. Having a moment. Yeah. I, well, so I am hoping that that is the response I'm going to get in my class. I think you will from some kids. All right. What did I what show them this website. So I. I was my first comment a few minutes ago was going to be that there are colors for three, five, and seven, but then every prime number from eleven up is this magenta color. So there, mm-hmm. you can't give every prime color a unique color, or you'd have a, you run know, out of colors. You run out of colors. Um, so I was looking, and I realized you could you know stack them on top of each other and then pull them apart, and that was you know groundbreaking for me. Um, so I was messing with other ones. And so we had talked about 2021. So at the bottom of this chart, you can type in any number you want and it'll give you the, the prime climb circle for that number. What? And so I pulled it out and typed in 2021. And of course it's just two magenta half circles because it's just two prime numbers that we just talked about that like a minute ago. And I was like, oh, that's not kind of, that's not cool to see. Just two magenta, you know, eh. Um, But then you pull the two halves apart and it gives you 43 and 47. That's cool. So it's not really halves, but that's how they, you know, because that's how it factors. That's how they've they've put it in there. Yeah. Ruth, you know, I'm just going to say that I am going to have to open this on not my Mac because I don't have the place to type and I don't have the one. Oh, and I'm I bet wondering. You it's a Chrome Jay, versus. Are you using Chrome or Safari? Oh, I'm talking to you in Chrome, and so I have Safari open with this, right? Because I, 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 I'm betting that's Chrome? the thing. Because I'm using it in Chrome, and I'm on okay, a Mac, I'm so I'm seeing that. So I bet you it's a, a browser thing, not a platform thing. That was kind of okay, a good so, problem we noticed. Go ahead. Yeah. So how about um, a redo button? Have do you see that? Like, can I set it? You know, they've played around with it. Can now I say, okay, go back to your original screen? Do you see that or do you have to close it? In? Okay, so there's an, there is an undo button in the top right corner of the whole poly pad. It just looks like the back arrow. So that just undoes the last thing. If you right. the fourth button down on the right-hand side looks like a hammer and a wrench under settings. And okay. clear oh, canvas yeah. is right there. So clear so, canvas is within the okay. settings button. And here's here okay. when I turned mine on, this is really cool. When I turned mine on, there were no numbers on the circle that I had dragged onto the polypad because when I used this the last time, I turned the numbers off for the fraction manipulatives because I just wanted the pictures without the labels. So it kind of carried over to here. So if you happen to turn yours on and you're not seeing any digits when you drag them over into the white space, you can turn the there's a little settings button there. Okay. So I feel like we, uh, this is the first of four websites, so we got to keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still have lots of questions. And I went to Chrome, and my one is still not there, and there's still not a button to type numbers at the bottom. Well, I, I don't have a solution. Maybe maybe we can hmm. do, look some more into it. I'll look some more into it. Or... Maybe Mathagon can tell us why. Yeah. It's showing yeah. different okay. on different computers. Okay. 
Hey guys, this is Tracy. After we finished recording this episode, we figured out why Ruth was seeing something different than Jay and I were. Um, when you go to the polypad in Mathagon, you see two tabs at the very top on the left. One says tiles and one says library. And Ruth had gone into the library one and clicked on prime factors. And when you do that, all of the circles from 2 to 25 just automatically show up in the polypad workspace in the center. Jay and I were working from the tiles one and choosing prime factor circles under numbers on the left in there. And you have to drag over all of the circles that you want to use and it gives you the one and the place to type in. So we thought maybe it had to do with her being on her Mac or in a different browser, but it was really just because we were looking at a slightly different place in Mathagon. Uh, now back to the rest of the episode. So the next one was um, Knowledge Hook. And this is um, also going to include Prime Climb stuff. And I know that um, I do know that Teresa Wills has it's called Prime Line. And I do know that Teresa Wills has done a um, like a Friday webinar, no, Saturday webinar thing about it that we can try to link to. Um, I think what we're going to do is take like two or three minutes for each of us to play with it and not really say anything and then we'll tell you what we found after two or three minutes okay we've had we've played with it for a few minutes and i'll describe just the general what i'm seeing and then you guys tell me what you figured out so it's a blue screen with a number line at the bottom and the number line it appears to be able to be adjusted but right now it's going from negative five to mine is going from negative five to about 50 um every every line is marked um, well, no, every, there's a line for every number, but every, the, f only the f multiples of five are marked. And then there are like seven buttons at the top that don't have any labels. Um, two look like a length model and then three circles, um, that look like prime climb circles, a, a button that for text and one more button at the end. And there's no instructions. Um, Nothing. There is a question mark. Waiting for Gigi mark. to run across this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, there is a question mark, but it doesn't look like it's giving you much info. Um, there's a magnifying glass hanging off the bottom of right. the number, number line. line. Okay. So what are some things you've figured out so far? If you so, drag... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You go first. I'd say if you can... Drag in the magnifying glass, there's like a line hanging it from the number line, and that lets you, you know, basically, you know, I forget what it started off as, but say I'm going to drag it now to 12. So any button I click at the top is going to make something at 12. It's going to place it at that spot on the number line. The magnifying glass, to me, did not change the magnification. I was expecting it to do that. Um, but so if, if you, you grab a number the on the number line, you can change the magnification or the scale of the number line. So if you drag your um, magnifying glass, Jay, straight up and make it touch the number line, it actually zooms in and you change Ooh. Oh, see, I was, the magnification. I, I was dragging it left and right, not up and down. <gasps> so I am this super excited to use this cool. number line, cool. even if it's not... For great, you know, Whoa. even if it's not with prime climb, just being able to drag that all the way into hundredths 
We've talked about this, Ruth. Yes, we. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember looking for this. There's no animals on this one, though. Yeah. Yes. Wait. So my. Okay. Go ahead. What did you okay, find? So answer this question. Once I've zoomed all the way in, how do I move the screen to go forward or backwards? Do you take your magnifying glass? Use your cursor. You can, if you click and drag anywhere that's not on the number line itself, it will just scroll left to right. If you click on a number and drag left to right, it changes your scale or magnification. Does that work for you? Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the number line pull, cool, is super cool. I'm still a little bit, I just need to do some more research. I did find out that there is, um, like there's a website that tells you, let me see what it's called. You can become a member of Knowledge Hook and it's got a Google Classroom adding thing to it. So I know it's out there. I just need to find out more about this. I feel like it's got a lot of cool features. Did you figure out how to do the prime, what to do with the circles, Tracy? I mean, I I figured out that if you there's two of them that are color that have the prime time prime climb colors mm -hmm. on them, and the one on the left will plop down a circle, um, f for with a number in the middle, like the number labeled, and the one on the right plops down an unlabeled one. That's and the, the one difference. In the middle plops it down color labeled, but not number with the, not with an actual numeral in the middle. Yeah, and um. I did notice that if you move, like if you plop one down and then you move it, it changes to match that particular new spot where it is. Oh, that's a good thing to see. What is the one okay. that's just all white? What does that do for you? So it, that it would like... be where I would think the kid could color it, but I don't know how you. I mean, that's the idea behind the blank ones, right? Is I drag that to 10 and it gives me two sections and I have to tell what colors there are. And if right. I drag it. So it, it divides it in the right number of, of pieces, but there's no way to then color in those pieces. Right. I think it's like maybe setting up a prompt for you to have to solve. Gotcha. Okay. I'm what I'm wondering is my third grade friend who wanted to do this whole zooming in idea can I can I get it to zoom out to like thousands? How would I do that? Let's try. How did you how did we zoom out again? Grab a number and drag to the left or to get bigger. So now I've got it out of fifteen hundred. Between zero and one thousand five hundred. Oh, it's yeah. working. And mine's between negative two thousand and positive two thousand. So if there was a way to turn off the negatives, that would give you that you much more space for just drag oh. the whole thing left until your zero is against the left of the screen. Yeah, Tracy, I'm from negative forty thousand to positive forty thousand. So this is a great tool for I it appears that I've gotten I can see zero to fifty thousand, which would make a hundred thousand which would make my you know, one of the biggest spots I could see a hundred thousand, I guess. I have mine stopped at zero to one hundred thousand. Yeah. It looks like that's the biggest. And well, so really the range is 100, negative 100,000 to 100,000. Because mm -hmm. if I go, if I scroll in the other direction, it goes just that far on the other side, on the negative side. 
Well, the total. Oh, okay. It it kept going. When I had it zero on the left, it wouldn't go. It wouldn't expand anymore. But this would be really quite perfect for rounding and zooming in. Absolutely, that kind of stuff. Okay, and so you can ahead. totally find the prime factorization of. I just found it of forty-seven thousand five hundred and fifty-six. What? Yes. So is this number prime? Um, go use knowledge hook and find your number <laughs> on the number line <laughs> and see if it's a red circle. Yeah, cool. Okay, we didn't maybe necessarily find what you were looking for, for your, <laughs> but this is a good find. Um, and I, good I find. W- what little, I did watch a little bit of Teresa Wills. She's called it Math Days something like that where they do math on Saturdays and she does well, that makes sense. yeah and I I watched a little bit of her session um, recorded later and I think it was meant to be like this she gave them very open-ended prompts and they were just to play with it and I, I think that this tool is created in that way to just see what kind of what you can discover and use it for yeah. So okay. I would point you in that direction if you want to learn maybe more about it. Okay. Um, next, what two from there are two from Math Spot, which um, is awesome in itself. So let's go to the first one. Okay. Prime factor tiles. Yeah. Thank you. I was getting lost. Prime factor tiles, and let's do the same thing. Two minutes of what? I did the Ruth thing. I was like Math Spot. What's that? Oh. Not M A T H S. Pause B O T. Yeah. But M A T H pause S P O T. Yeah. Okay, let's take two minutes and we'll play with it and then we'll come back and talk about what we're seeing. Okay, everybody? Okay. So, are we ready? Do you want to describe it or do you yes. want me to describe it? No, you go. You're I'm still okay. playing. You describe it. You describe so I can play. <laughs> All right, we are looking at prime factor tiles on MathSpot. We had a couple minutes to play with it. It looks like all of the other manipulatives on MathSpot, which I think is a plus because you kind of know where to start. On the side, you're seeing um, one, two, three, six squares, and they have a number in them. It has the numbers, the digits, two, three, five, seven, eleven, and 13, and they each have a different color. Um, and then there are only a handful of buttons at the top and um, some of the same buttons as normal, like the copy button, the tidy button, delete, those kinds of things. Um, So Ruth, you start. What did you discover? Okay. So I can choose any number. I don't know how high this goes, but I chose 60 and you add that tile and then you click decompose and the prime factorization of 60 shows up. And then you so, and so by that when she like when you press decompose the sixty disappears and now you have a two a two a three and a five all right beside each other which is the mm-hmm. prime factorization okay okay so then I did thirty and clicked decompose and the two three and five showed up so you have to click can I clarify you have to click yes. add tile first or did you push decompose right away. Oh, you, I'm sorry. You do. I said that the first time, but I didn't say it. Okay. So you so you the type in 30, time. press add tile, and then you decompose. Okay. Now what? Okay. So there are the possibility of a Venn diagram over on the right, and I chose the two because I want two circles. I want one circle to represent 60 and one circle to represent um, 
30. 30. And this is kind of where I'm stuck because the whole idea in I want to take the two because they are in common and put it in the middle of the Venn diagram. And when you put them on top of each other, they multiply. Yeah. So the other, the one that went away, when I put them in the middle, they combined and they stayed that number because that's what happens when you find the greatest common factor. But I don't think that's going to matter. I think the students will be able to see still that they're in the middle and they're going to pick one of each of those. Um, the idea is that you can now move that prime factorization. What do they have in common? What is left over? And your greatest common factor is the product of what's in the middle, and your least common multiple is the product of the rest of it. Okay, let me. You can. Go ahead. Can I try it? Because having never yeah. taught it this way. So mm -hmm. they both have a two. So I could put that in the, like, I have them built on the outside. So they both have a two. I'm going to put that in the middle. They both have a three. Mm -hmm. I put that in the middle. They both have a five. I'm going to put that in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then the, the 60 had an extra two. So that goes on just the 60 side. Mm -hmm. Right? And then my greatest common factor is what's in the middle. Is the product of what's in the middle. And I can just drag them on top of each other so I don't have to multiply. I can just smush them together, and then I get 30 in the middle. So I was watching you, Tracy, <clears throat> and you built the numbers on either side of this Venn diagram. And right. then you decomposed it. Or, or they were two numbers decomposed. And you drug from one of the numbers to the center. So now you one of those numbers factorization is still sitting there the other one has disappeared yeah i would have dragged them from the tray on the left to show what's common in the center instead of taking away not one number or is that important oh like rebuilding it rebuilding in the center so that you can still refer to both sides are you following that ruth you now have oh. nothing on the right hand side to refer to because you took you tore it apart to put it in the venn diagram or listen tracy you could have if you're dragging from the 60, okay, uh -huh. so you drag your 2, and uh -huh. then you go to the 30, and you click on the 2, and you press delete. Okay. Yeah. Either one of those. And then work. you drag the 3, and you press the delete. On the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're finished when there are no prime factors left at the top of your circle. Yeah. And I also like that this can be differentiated in that I don't have to tell the students that they can use the decompose button. I can say, show me 30 and 60, and they would have to do the prime factorization and just drag the numbers over to both sides. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I also like that there is a three Venn diagram because a lot of times you have to find the greatest common factor of three numbers, yeah. and you can do that same thing. So this is definitely a cool find. Awesome. Wow. All right. Um, are, do we want to talk about the last one or just direct people there? Um, let's direct people there and maybe okay. we can have a little more insight the next time we do this. Okay. The last one is another tool of MathSpot called Prime Factors HCF, which is highest common factor, and LCM. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll put the link to it in the show notes, but um, we'll talk about it today. Okay, I know you got to get to work, so let's real fast say some takeaways. Um, we just did my lesson plans. That is yes. my takeaway. <laughs> yes. But I am going to go look at Teresa Wells' Mather Days. Wills. Um, yep. 
now oh, I, I wrote that and then said it wrong. Have a whole lot of work to do today, and I want to do nothing but play with these prime climb circles. <laughs> I love you, Jay Prophet. Yeah, that's awesome. We have we have really affected you. <laughs> I think my takeaway is you have to play with these things together in like. You mm-hmm. guys both taught me things I'd never seen before. I'd played with that line tool for a long time, and, and I learned a lot from you, which translates into you got to give your kids time to play with them together and talk about them and how, how much they're going to learn from each other. That's awesome. Right. All right, Ruth. I'll see you tomorrow and I, on a run, and I can't wait to hear how your Prime Factor yeah. Tiles combo does. Awesome. See you on a run. 